Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Thursday, October 5th, 2023. I'm Gianna Volpe. The MTA yesterday released its 20-year needs assessment, which sets the Transit Authority's infrastructure priorities over the next two decades and will inform what projects are included in its next five-year capital program. Alfonso A. Castillo reporting on Newsday.com that among the MTA's top priorities for the Long Island Railroad are rebuilding the Atlantic Avenue Tunnel serving Brooklyn riders, buying 340 new rail cars, repainting and fixing dilapidated bridges and viaducts, and modernizing signal and communications systems. The report also includes a cost-benefit analysis for several expansion projects under consideration, including the electrification of the Port Jeff branch and capacity improvements between Spionk and Montauk. New York City rail projects scored the highest. Regarding service between Spionk and Montauk, New York State Assembly person Fred W. Thiel Jr., the Democrat from Sac Harbor in 12, other state, county, town, and village leaders have written to the LIRR to request that it follow through on the capital plan, which would include a number of projects to increase the railroad's east end service, especially the popular South Fork commuter connection. Stephen J. Coates reporting on 27East.com that in a, the letter to Robert Free, the LIRR's acting president, Thiel and the other officials requested that it move forward with six specific projects from Spionk to Emigansett that would improve sidings, add platforms, and take other steps to allow more trains to use the single main line that runs through Southampton and East Hampton towns. Thiel said, with traffic becoming a year-round problem, amen, on the South Fork, there will be continued demand for improved rail service, noting this is not just a summertime issue anymore. I don't know if you guys have noticed the traffic this week, oh my gosh, in other news, Riverhead Town officials unveiled the new 42,000-square-foot town hall on West 2nd Street yesterday, christening it with a ribbon-cutting ceremony and party attended by more than 100 people. Quote, any published author will convey some chapters are more difficult to write than others. That from Riverhead Town Supervisor Yvette Aguiar. Today's chapter, the new town hall chapter, is a result of many rough drafts many revisions, and tireless final edits by countless individuals spanning over two decades. Aguiar thanked several town officials for coordinating the relocation of town offices at Town Hall, including Councilmember Bob Kern, Purchasing Agent Teresa Baldinucci, Network and Systems Administrator Chip Kremborg, and Office Assistant Natalie Previtt. Alec Lewis reporting on RiverheadLocal.com that town employees said the new offices give them more space. Most are still settling into the building after a moving company transported files and furniture to the new building last week. The new building allows the town to consolidate under one roof. Town departments that had been relocated from the old town hall building on Howell Avenue to other sites. Here in Southampton, anybody watching the decade-long legal battle pitting Southampton Town, environmental organizations, and neighbors against the Sandland Mine in Noyak would be forgiven if they thought a ruling last February by the New York State Court of Appeals, which annulled all permits related to the mine's expansion, meant the operation would be closed by now. But State Assemblyperson Fred W. Thiel Jr. and Bob DeLuca, the president of the environmental organization, Group for the East End say Sandland, owned by Wayne Scott Sand and Gravel, has continued to mine its 50-acre site off Millstone Road despite that ruling by the state's highest court and despite yet another ruling last month by a state Supreme Court justice which denied Sandland's request for an injunction that would have barred the state DEC from enforcing the Court of Appeals ruling. Stephen J. Coates reporting on 27East.com that Justice James Ferraria also approved the state's request for its own preliminary injunction, preventing Sandland from operating under any permit for sand and, mine, uh, sand and gravel mining beyond one issued in 2013, which the mine's opponents say the company exhausted years ago. Last week, 
feel joined by State Senators Kevin Thomas and Monica Martinez and Assembly Person Michaela Martinez, who represents districts in both Nassau and Suffolk counties, wrote to Governor Kathy Hochul to request that she order the DEC to shut down the mine, requiring Sandland to remove any equipment used for mining and begin remediation of the site. This week, the DEC said it was committed to protecting the environment and continues to regular, rigorously monitor activities at the Sandland Corporation sand mine. And finally, a commercial fisherman from Montauk was found guilty of all five counts against him in federal court central ice up yesterday in a case that alleged a conspiracy among fishermen and fish dealers to catch and sell more than 200,000 pounds of fish over the legal limits. Mark Carrington reporting on Newsday.com that Christopher Winkler, 63, captain of the commercial fishing trawler New Age, was found guilty by a federal jury in Central Islip of one count of conspiracy, two counts of mail fraud, and two counts of obstruction of justice for filing false fishing reports. He faces up to 20 years in prison in a statement issued after the verdict. Verdict uh, lawyers for Winkler, Richard Levitt and Peter Smith, said that while they respect the jury system, quote, the principal culprits here, however, are the antiquated fish landing quotas, particularly those for fluke that haven't changed in some 30 years, which cheat New York fishermen out of their livelihoods, even as New York's fluke population has been increasing, end quote. They said a decision hasn't yet been made on whether Winkler will appeal the ruling. He remains free on bail and a date has not yet been set for sentencing. In a statement, Todd Kim, Assistant U.S. Attorney General for the Justice Department's Environmental and Natural Resources Division, said fishing quotas are, are, quote, designed to prevent overfishing and stabilize populations for the public good. We will continue to seek justice against those who flout laws that protect fisheries and the fishing industry, end quote. Uh, staying, staying in East Hampton to read the, le- the weather in Lazy Point in honor of ecologist Carl Safina joining us for the Thoughtful Thursday segment at the bottom of the hour to talk about his new book, Alfie and Me, What Owls Know, What Humans Believe, looking like widespread dense fog before 10 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny today with a high near 69 degrees Southeast wind, six, uh, three to six miles per hour, excuse me. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 60 degrees. Southeast wind, six to eight miles per hour. Right now, it's 63 degrees. Um, owls are what we're going to be talking about at the bottom of this hour. We're going to have the music be about something else with wings, and that's planes. This is all wrapped around uh, one of Carly Ridersleeve's newest tracks, uh, which is... On this plane to London, Carly will be joining us at the bottom of the next hour. And I think we're going to get a sneak peek premiere of her newest single. Uh, Let's see. It's called Go Go Running. So we may play that. I'll see if I can prepare some go tracks or running tracks for uh, leading you to the top of the 11 o'clock hour. I'm Gianna Volpe. Let's start it off with Honeysuckle. Board that plane from their self-titled record of 2016, and then we'll keep it in 2016 for a pretty fun one. It's called On a Plane from Big Bill's record post No Bills. Then we'll hop back a decade and hear Megan Riley's On a Plane from the 2006 record Let Your Ghost Go. Music from all decades and genres, interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter the heart of the East End and WLIWFM news you can trust music you love
You're listening to WLIWFM's weekday morning and midnight show, The Heart of the East End, featuring music from all decades and genres, and interviews with folks from all walks of life. All because of you. Made this beat on a plane, wrote this rap on a plane. Got neck pain, my track's very plain. Remember when Bane hijacked that plane in the dark night rises? I didn't really like that movie, thought it'd be good, but life is full of surprises. You should realize this, and then you'll recover better. Nothing in common, so we talk about the weather. Settle down like some fish bones. Yeah, boy, I can't wait to get home. And for that hot stewardess to ask me if I want some pretzels. Big Bill, I'm loud and sometimes gentle. Kid in class always asking for a pencil. If I actually try, my talents would multiply tenfold. Guy in front of me put his seat back. In 20 minutes, I'ma have some sore kneecaps. Leak can fuck himself, and I ain't even bleed that. Never left for these people saying that we back. Megan Riley. I wrote a little love note to myself. Apologies for the language.
Bentley as a secret track for this morning's playlist, which you can find archived online at WLIW.org slash radio around around noon today. Stay tuned for Carl Safina, Dr. Safina, joining us for the Thoughtful Thursday segment here on WLIWFM. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up say goodbye But the dawn is breaking It's early morn The taxi's waiting He's blown his horn Already I'm so lonesome I could die So kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you never let me go Cause I'm leaving on a jet plane Don't know when I'll be back again Oh babe, I hate to go There's so many times I've let you down So many times I've played around I tell you now they don't mean a thing Every place I go I'll think of you Every song I sing I'll sing for you When I come back I'll bring your wedding ring So smile for me tell me that you'll wait for me hold me like you'll never let me go Time has come to leave you One more time Let me kiss you 
then close your eyes and I'll be on my way Dream about the days to come when I won't have to leave alone About the times I won't have to say Kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go Little John Denver leading us into our thoughtful Thursday segment this morning. A book right up my alley, having been raised by an environmentalist who taught me about uh, saving creatures that might not make it elsewise. We're talking with ecologist Dr. Carl Safina about Alfie and me, what owls know, what humans believe. Good morning, Dr. Safina. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, this is not simply just the story of how you uh, attained an owl daughter and uh, her her ensuing family. You get a little bit of everything in this book. I'm embarrassed to say this is my first of your books I've read. Are they all like that, where you don't just get uh, ecology and and uh, wildlife? You also get uh, spirituality, philosophy, history, etc.? Well, I, you know, I guess I would say that in a way um, they are all about the human relationship with the rest of the world. Right. And so there is a little bit of um, maybe the unexpected in all of them. Right. And, but as would be natural with, with the topic being that we and everything is all connected. Yes, that's right. Now, let's talk about an important aspect of this story, at least I think, and those are your permits for wildlife rehab and falconry um, among them. Why, yeah. it, why, if yes, is this an important element to the story? Oh, well, you know, just that there are, um, you know, certain aspects of knowing what you're doing right. that are important. And there are certain people who know what they do. Um, and those are the people who need to take care of these creatures when they're found. Right. And if you'd like to be one of them, there are uh, certification programs. I know Al- uh, Evelyn Alexander, Wildlife Refuge. Uh, yeah, they're fantastic. Yes. yes. So mm-hmm. they, and I believe they have a screech owl. Maybe her name is Athena. I'm not sure. Um, I I don't know about the name, but they do. Yes. Yes. Very beautiful. So I I adored and appreciated the inclusion of your training method for adapting your dogs to your feathered friends. Can, uh-huh. can you share it for listeners uh, briefly if, if yeah, you Yeah, sure. Um, so we, we've had chickens and we had some, a couple of small parrots that we um, adopted. Um, and, uh, and we have dogs. So obviously you don't want dogs hurting any of that stuff. And um, what my, you know, the dog's initial inclination, especially when they were young, was to chase the chickens, mm. chase the parrots. And uh, that's that's not a good thing. So I I my little insight there was that the dogs are not trying to chase them because the dogs are hungry. They're just trying to chase them because they're curious. They just they want to catch them to see what these things are. So I thought, why don't we just let them see what these things are by taking uh, taking a chicken, for instance, in our lap or having a little parrot on our finger and bringing the dog over and letting them sniff and maybe lick, but 
not open their mouth to bite. And if they went to take a nip, to just say no, and as soon as they drew their head back, give them a big treat and do this. I, I did this every day for maybe three weeks in our chicken coop with with each of five different dogs. So that's why I would say this worked. And after a while, they, they're totally over it. You know, it's like, okay, it's a chicken. It's a chicken every morning. It's the same chicken every morning. Right. I got it. And, and this chicken is, in fact, part of our pack. Yeah. And, you know, and what uh, what what else I've seen is that when we get little chicks, which we did maybe every four years or so, we get six different little chicks to raise. And um, the, the dogs have a kind of a proprietary uh, sense of them, like they, they actually are protective of the little baby chickens instead of. Uh, you know, wanting to chase them around or or uh, anything anything aggressive at all. So our our dogs are 150 percent um, trustworthy around all these loose birds, and uh, the the chickens are just walking around the yard every day. The dogs are out. They when I say 150 percent, if a hawk lands in a tree. The dogs will bark at the hawk until the hawk leaves. Which is fantastic. That means you're not losing any of your babies. That's right. So let's let's get, so uh, there are there is a nice smattering of owlets through this book. But let's start with the first, which is Alfie uh, herself. Uh, what was your big fear initially? You found her, you know, very malnourished. Um, she hadn't she hadn't gotten her her uh, feathers yet. What was your big fear initially when Alfie's secondary and tertial flight feathers did not grow in alongside her primaries? As you mentioned, they usually get all three at the same time. Yes. I, I think, um, and I, I saw this happen once before with right. um, a, a different baby owl a long, long, long time ago um, that was found near death that one could never be released um and that one's feathers never grew in properly and i think i think if a little if a little tiny bird comes very close to starving to death it can create developmental problems with the feathers so with alfie um one third of her of her flight feathers came in and two thirds of her wing were was were bare uh, so she couldn't fly at the normal time when she would have normally fledged, and we had we had never planned to hold her at all. We thought, you know, as soon as, as soon as she is capable of flying, we'll just let her wander off. She was never in a cage, so it was going to be what's called a soft release. She'd just wander off if she came back, uh, you know, f- back and forth a little bit. We would continue to feed her and then she would just disperse like a normal bird on on a normal schedule but she couldn't fly and so we had to wait through a molt to see if those feathers actually were going to come in and they eventually they did come in luckily and everything was fine at that point although it was it it seemed like it was you you really became this owl's parent uh and father cuz you could see how protective you really were i mean this is not like the wildlife photography uh you know let let nature take its course i mean you really made sure that alfie was safe and worried quite a bit for her and her her family yeah, I was always worrying. I was always worrying about her because I, I mean, I really loved this little creature, yes. you know, and and uh, and we had time to develop a bond that was a very close really. One. I would I would say two way, and um, and it's a dangerous world out there. But yes. but you know, but captivity is a dead end. So mm-hmm. you're. You don't have a good choice. It's either a dead end or or danger. And there was always this balancing act going on in this like internal war in your head as you you know uh, you chose between these things. I was relieved when you finally called Alfie a messenger after resisting that uh, just with all of the 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 background information, particularly about uh, how indigenous peoples viewed owls and other uh, civilizations. 
and uh, I, I loved so much. You had my favorite word of all time. Crepuscular is in there. <laughs> you have the, 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 the bird factoid uh, that I only recently learned, which is the only bird known to hibernate, the poor wool. And mm-hmm. there was yeah. there was a distinction made about its hibernation that I can't recall now. Uh, what can you share? What you know about their hibernation, Doctor Safina? Uh, I'm not sure what distinction. Yeah, I'm trying. You're referring it's it's to. not like a true hibernation. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, well, actually, hibernation in general is an interesting whole other topic. That might be what don't. it is. It's not just a one one thing or or another thing. There are all different levels of of being inactive. Different things that happen with body temperature. Some some things just sort of they sort of just sleep a lot, and then other things everything changes for the whole winter. Now you you write about the great gray owl visits to Long Island, that they're so rare that it's not every year, not even every decade. Have you seen one? I, I Actually, there were two that came to Long Stop Island it. in the last 40 years. And I, I saw both of them, which was really bizarre because, um, you know, it might not even be every century that there's a great gray owl on Long Island. But there were there were two about 20 years apart, and um, I happen to see both of them. I, it's got to mean something, Doc. <laughs> I know you don't want to believe it. No, I, I, I loved this book. And uh, have you seen Alfie and Plus One uh, at all since the publication of the book? Well, I'm sure you've seen Alfie. Well, Alfie is, is around. Alfie yeah. is now five years old, wow. and um, she's, she's always around. I saw her, uh, what, two or three days ago. I I did not see or hear her last night, so she's she's not um, you know she doesn't just make an appearance on demand every night. Right. Sometimes if I call her, she flies in. Sometimes if I call her, she doesn't. And um, but she's always around. And a few nights ago, maybe maybe three nights ago, we heard a second owl calling, and uh, she had a new mate this past oh. summer. So I think he's still around and okay because we seem to have heard him a couple of nights ago. Okay, so so plus one is in fact not around. He is he is not around. He, oh no! He was he was around for two years, and then he did not return in 2022, <laughs> and uh, and a new mate showed up in 2023. Wow! And so and uh, that was I guess Isaiah's. And I, I, you have not seen the the owlets since they moved on, or or what, whatever. Uh, no, I no, and I and I wouldn't expect to. They they leave the parents' territory, and they have to find their own footing in the world somewhere. Right. Beautiful. But but a, beautiful. but a very strange a very strange thing is that in 2022, when Alfie had no mate, I saw her one time in a tree with another owl right outside our back door. And that other owl was acting like a young owl. Oh, right. I remember this part. And I only saw them one time. And I was, and I, you know, I have no way of knowing and no way of investigating further, but I've always wondered if that might have been one of her young ones from the year before who happened to come in, I don't know, you know, for a quick visit, which is not really something that they would be known to do. But I don't know who that other owl was or why it was that way or why I only saw it one time. And there was there were several instances where you learned something new uh, about how uh, screech owls or owls behave, uh, one of which being uh, day hunting. Yeah, well. Alfie's uh, Alfie's mate in the book plus one. He he just turned into a super hunter when the young ones were at their peak need of food when they were growing fastest, and he started hunting in the middle of the day, and he started catching chipmunks in the middle of the day. So if you had asked me, do screech owls ever hunt at noon? I would say no, of course not. And do they ever catch chipmunks? No, they never catch chipmunks. But you know, they, they don't unless they do. And, and the, they do sometimes. Right, right. <laughs> and what a beautiful, sad 
but very touching moment when the the other chipmunk comes to visit uh, the deceased. And uh, yeah, that that was very that, well. That was the thing. I mean, when you know, you mentioned that I said Alfie was a messenger. She was she was a, a portal, and her message was that there are all these other parallel lives all around us all the time that we don't see, we don't think of, we never we never observe. I did a lot of observing. I, I was watching them for maybe five hours a day because COVID, the shutdowns for COVID mean, meant that I wasn't going anywhere at all, all year. And I had nothing better to do than sit in my backyard and watch. But um, I also had this miraculous little bit of timing right. where, you know, suddenly a free-flying owl who was completely tame because she knew us from the time she was tiny um, was showing us because she was tame and she would act just completely normally was showing us this entire other world around us. And, and of course, all my hours of observing were letting me see things that we normally don't see. So one of the things was that, that uh, her mate plus one had caught a chipmunk and then some blue jays drove him from the tree he was on. And chipmunk is very big for a, for a screech for a owl. Screech owl so right. as, as he was going from one tree to another, he dropped the chipmunk. And I put a, uh, and I didn't know if he was going to come back later in the day for it, which he did. At dusk, he came back and got the chipmunk that he dropped. So that's another thing that you learn by watching is that they know what's going on. You know, they have, they have memories. They understand what they're doing. They know what's going on in their lives. And um, I put a trail cam on that dead chipmunk just to see if he, I, I, I was, I was thinking, I, you know, I don't want to miss him picking it up. If he picks it up, I wanted to see if he did. But instead, what I got was another chipmunk coming around. And, you know, wondering if they knew each other, if those two chipmunks knew each other, because it was, a, you know, kind of a tender little moment of the live one visiting the the dead one there. And um, uh, just another thing that opened more questions. And then I then I got also on the trail cam that um, plus one did come back and pick up that chipmunk that he had caught earlier in the day. So I got, you know, those were two things that I learned by putting that camera on that on that little carcass. And um, if you, you know, this is the thing people say about science is that the the more you the more you learn, the more questions right. you have. So right, in, right. in a way, in a way, the more you learn, the less you know. Yes. At least you realize how little you know. And that'll that goes and, right back uh, to Socrates, right? Um, I don't know if that goes some, to Socrates. Like, but... fool, the fool believes he uh, oh, yeah, knows yes, everything. Right, the right, wise right. man knows he knows nothing. Yes, that's right. That's I, right. I, I loved I loved so much about this book. And, and one thing I, I want to thank you for is for giving me appreciation, more appreciation for just the little things – Something as, as simple as, as washing the dishes, you say the little things are the big things. You talked about oh, that you had nothing better to do, but you also, but in the book you also talk quite a bit about how, you know, you don't, uh, sh you have all these adventures all over the world, but you can, you can see the world and, and go nowhere, essentially, you, you, but you can also be at home and, and uh, as Walt Whitman says, contain multitudes, uh, experience and live and learn so much. You, you say that the routine helps guardrail the journey toward being present in our own lives and loves. It can inspire a life's work. It can be as simple as a little owl at the back door. Um, so thank you. When I go to take care of my, you know, vacuum the floor in the living room after a toddler, uh, I feel, I don't feel as uh, drained from it, but rather energized to do it. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's really the right view of it, because that's, that's life being present in our own life. Yes. It's really, really important. And, every and you know, I, I saw it. I saw a talk the other day. I was at a book festival. I saw a talk the other day about a guy who had, t 
taken a, a journey um, in, in the middle of the United States. And um, it only took him like 26 days. He, he took a walk and he wrote a book about it. And he was saying that he, he saw one thing after another, after another, that just completely surprised and astonished him about the, about the places that he saw and the people that he met. But meanwhile, he talks to friends who have gone to, you know, they've gone to some, some place in Europe, uh, some famous place on, on a big vacation or whatever. So how was, oh, oh, it's too many tourists. Oh, the crowds. Oh, you're actually online to see this thing, you know, and they come back and, and they didn't really have such a good time. And, you know, meanwhile, they, they didn't think that right here where they live was interesting, but our place is as exotic as any place that we happen to live in it. It's all relational, right, Dr. Safina? Yeah. Yeah, that's the key word. Uh, I'm going to play Alfie just as a, a secret track. You can't, you won't even be able to find it on the playlist if you download it, only if you replay the archive of this episode. Um, are you going to be doing any signings or anything coming up uh, where we can uh, get the book signed or anything like that? Yeah, I'll, I'll be both at Bookhampton and at Caneos. Fantastic. Um, I can't remember right off the top of my head what dates, but they're, they are this month. Okay. And so you can definitely go to the Bookhampton websites, I imagine, and, and uh, Canio's book website to find out uh, when we yeah. can see you. I'll find out and I'll let the folks know. Cannot thank you enough. I'm going to play Alfie uh, and I'm going to wish you a beautiful rest of your day. You and Patricia and Alfie and all the rest, all the, the dogs – the snake, right? The uh, mm-hmm. the Quaker, and all the of Quaker our Quaker parrot. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Dr. Carl Safina. This was the Thoughtful Thursday segment. Uh, this is Stevie Wonder, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. All right, great. So it looks like Carl Safina will be at Bookhampton on the 20th and at Canio's on the 21st, signing copies of Alfie and Me, What Owls Know, What Humans Believe.
leading you into the NPR News break with little Angus and Julia Stone. Big jet plane from the Down the Way record of 2010 on WLI and WFM. Gonna take you away 